0: Let's take a little time to reveal The prehistoric stories that the earth once concealed Mix them all together on this ancient land
1: It's time to spread some
0: paleo jam And welcome to the latest edition of Paleo Jam. I'm your host, Michael Mills, and I am here with um, three remarkable guests. Um, Dr. Alice Gorman. This is where you say hello.
2: <laughs> hello,
0: Michael Mills. Um, Dr. Liz Reed.
3: Hello, Michael.
0: And Tia Bampton. Hello. And we're here because we saw a show. Well, I was kind of in it, sort of wrote it. Last week, okay. about Mary Anning. So, we wanted to talk about a little bit about some of the themes that have come out of that show, but also about the experiences of women in science on what's changed in the 200 years since Mary was around and um, had challenges to deal with. But first of all, we always start off, we always ask our guests to bring an object. Who shall go first? Well, we started with Alice, so we're going to start this time with Tia. Tia, what have you brought?
1: I brought the very first fossil rock I ever picked up, ever.
0: Ever? Ever. So, how old were you? When you I was probably
1: safe? about six, and we were up at the Flinders Ranges, and I picked up a pink rock, because it was pink, and I noticed it had lots of little weird things in it. And my mum looked at it and said, that looks like a fossil. And it turns out it's archaeosathid fossils.
0: And you get a lot of those up in the Flinders. Yes. I've got, got a couple. Yeah. Um, so, and,
1: and I was obsessed with geology beforehand. And then my mum said, fossils are in rocks and you can look at both of them. And that's
0: what paleontology is. And that was, that was a moment, yeah. clearly a moment where the light went on. Yeah. And that's you. what led
1: me to go to all the um, South Australian and uh, Adelaide University Museum paleontology weeks and do all that kind of stuff, and just really lit my passion for paleontology.
0: Yep, which led you to Narra Court Caves, where your current PhD supervisor happened to be hanging out. Um, Liz Reid, what's your object? You, you have nothing in your hands, but we're no, surrounded by things.
3: I, well, my, my object... Is, is your office. <laughs> yes, but it's pretty much that big shelf full of dusty field gear.
0: So why, why why did you want that to be your object for, 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 for this conversation?
3: I, I, well, I just love my field gear <laughs> and I'm very <laughs> particular about my field gear. So this is stuff for going remote, uh, so Nullarbor and areas where we need to have everything, take everything with us. But it, it's, it brings fun memories of, of, you know, I've done trips on my own, um, yes, just particularly in honours and PhD and, uh, you know, comments about, a, a woman being able to use an air compressor and stuff like that, you know, um, and I can use <laughs> and you, that and more. You I can like
0: use them. all the things, you can I do can all the use things.
3: All of the things that I brought with me yeah, and it, drive the four wheel drive and drive a manual.
0: I was going to say, in the same way that Mary Ann could use all the things except for the driving of the four wheel drive, yes. <laughs> of course, and the forklifts <laughs> and things. Okay, cool. And we'll, we'll come back to, to, to the objects as, as we go along. Alice, what did I you bring? Of
2: course, my trowel. So, Archaeologists use trowels to excavate and often get comments, people saying, oh, archaeology, it's so detailed and mm-hmm. slow. Well, it isn't. A lot of the time we use mechanical excavators, um, geopigs, matics, shovels, but the trowel is sort of our, the symbol of our profession. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, you hold it in your hand and you scrape and sometimes you poke and point at things, it's part of the very sort of physical process of excavation. And this trowel, which has a red handle and is, is, well, that would be three inches long, is a triple-forged WHS. So the moment when an archaeologist can afford to buy the very expensive triple-forged WHS is a, a sort of a milestone in your career development as a professional.
0: And it's interesting, isn't it, each of the three objects that you've talked about, you're able to talk about the memories that attach to that object. Um, and what it reminds you of when you see it you know the, the, the fact here that you've continued to hold on for you're, you're older than six now
1: yeah. Um
0: <laughs> that you've continued to hold on to this and I, I suspect that the older you get the more special that will become yeah because no matter what else you find that was the first mm-hmm. um I bought an object <laughs> I bought an object it's called These Curious Things it's um it's an album of songs about Mary Anning from which the show, A Curious Thing, which you guys got to see last week, at uh, the World Premiere, was was inspired by it. So when Gemma and I were recording the album, we, there, there were there were some things that we were playing with. So the title track we stripped away most of the arrangement on it and Jem was kind of riffing around we're just looking at we've actually, we actually we actually were videoing us as we were doing this. So we've actually got this moment where we are got there's a show in this. Um, and, and so I love the album because of of I mean because that, that, that's the thing that I do in terms of writing music and stuff and it represents that but it also like each of your objects represents memories the other thing that we did we, we, have, we produced a hundred of them and we signed them and Gemma and I have number one and number two between us and so each of those then becomes something really special and meaningful to us and um, so, on mary anning um we'll we'll briefly touch on on, on the show and then we'll we'll explore some some other issues. Um, I'm always interested as a, as a writer of things to get a sense of what the audience come out with. you know you, you you have an intention and thoughts when you're writing it, and you allow the narrative to play but but what did what did you each come away with? We'll go around the other way this time, Alice
2: That's a hard question. I suppose when I think about what I felt after seeing the show it was my emotional reaction to hearing Mary Anning sing the song I am a paleontologist. And there was so much strength and power in in asserting that you are this skilled professional with expertise and that you are taking that label and taking it for yourself after she was turned away from the, the Royal Society. That was so powerful for me and I, I, it made me reflect on the fact that, I guess, existing, naming ourselves and asserting ourselves even to, to the point of just saying, well, I am a paleontologist, I am an archaeologist, is in itself a, a small act of resistance and power, just through those words. So I think that's something that really
0: struck me after the show. Cool. Interesting, because we... Um, <clears throat> I was thinking last night as I was preparing for, for this, you often read where Mary's described as a fossilist. <clears throat> so I looked up fossilist and I said, oh, a fossilist, it can also be a paleontologist. It's like, can, can we stop calling her a fossilist? A fossilist is almost like somebody that goes out and collects fossils and prepares them. It's like she knew so much more. She knew the stuff. Which, for me, is why part, of, part of the reason why that song came into being. And, and it's interesting because it's, it's on the album as well, it's a slightly different version, but I don't sing on it. And there are backing vocals, but it's all Gemma. And, and it was deliberately that, because it was like, I can't, this is, this is, this is not my song to be on, um, and stuff. Liz, what, what did you come away with?
3: Um, I think, I mean, Mary, Mary lived and worked at a time when she was on the cusp of a major paradigm shift within science itself. Uh, in in the thoughts behind, you know, what fossils actually are and what they mean and that it is a legitimate study in the first place, She was pre-Darwin, if you like. Um, And we often talk about paradigm shifts in in science, but there's actually paradigm shifts in the the people that had the opportunity to do the science as well. And I think that really struck me. I was thinking, gosh, you know, sometimes we as women in science, academia, still struggle at times with some of the things that she experienced. However, we have the veil lifted from our minds that there is no opportunity, because there is opportunity for us. And that's something she didn't have. Um, And... Sadly, occasionally we still hear that uh, at outreach. We're talking about that on the way here, little girls that say, I didn't know I could be a paleontologist. You know, if that still exists, you know, for most of us, we know if we want to, we can go to universities. No one's saying women can't go. So, so that really struck me that there's parallels, but for her, they were really hard boundaries of what her opportunities were and her talent couldn't blossom. And I found that, I felt grateful that I had the opportunity to at least
0: think i could do it yeah cool what about you two well
3: mum's a little
1: bit different in in that you guys especially michelle showed how passionate she was about her work which is what i can imagine you know most people are very passionate about what we do we're all very passionate and that was really sung home with how passionate she was about what she did and she didn't matter whether she was getting any recognition or anything she still just loved what she did and it just did not stop her and I really, really liked that about the show.
0: Yeah, it was. It was for, as, as we were working on it, it was pretty clear. And and, and the more that, that that you you dig into Mary's story, it's like she she absolutely was was defiant in her curiosity. She loved doing the thing that she did because that's how you get good at being the thing at doing the thing that you do. And but but she and 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 for me one of the things that was really important to come across was that she did know stuff mm. you know which is why during the show she talks about well I do this and then I prepare the fossil and then I do the things really really important that it's like she's not just a collector of fossils and a seller of fossils and stuff um, so um Mary was I did an interview with one of the Flinders Paleos a couple of years ago, and she coined this term, which I keep using, defiant in her curiosity, which I love. I love. So so how have you each been defiant in your curiosity? We may need several hours to go Can I, a, can, <laughs> do, can I that, respond to that initially? Because yeah.
2: curiosity is such an interesting word, because there's a long... Um, line of stories and myths and urban legends which is about how it is bad for women to be curious how curiosity is a, a female failing that needs to be suppressed and of course the part of that is what do women find out when they're curious they find out a whole lot of things about sexual violence and um, all kinds of bad stuff. This is why Bluebeard's wives got slaughtered and hung upside down in, in a room. So, so I think there's all that element about curiosity and what it means for women to be curious, but, but the defiance aspect... And I think, like, Tia, you were just saying, like, like, you have a passion and you don't let it be suppressed. And I guess if I'm thinking about my career um a moment a crossover moment was moving from being a a a regular archaeologist which i used to be into being a space archaeologist and moving between those two worlds where people in both are confused about what you do but you're just like whatever i'm doing it it's too late to go back it's happening it's happening now so you have to get used to it and um, I think that's kind of—it's um, a positive emotion, that kind of defiance or that that kind of action, I guess. So I, I really love that phrase because it's it's that validation of our right to be curious and our right to kind of—I want to use swear words here, but I won't use swear words—but to say those swear words, yeah.
0: Yeah, Liz, how do you how do you I suppose sort of. Following from, from what Alice was saying, how do you, you retain that defiance? Because it, it's, it, it's not a thing that middle-aged white men need to have, worry about in terms of the challenges that, that people that look like me face. So how do you retain that defiance in the face of, of some of that stuff where somebody says, oh, you can't use the compressor, you can't do this, you can't do this? How do, how do, you, how do, you, how do you shut that out?
3: I don't know that I would use the term defiance. It's more, I guess, you know, raised. Yeah, I've always been independent, raised by an independent woman, and I, I just, you know, if they say I can't use it, I'll show them I can use it. You know, it's like, well, here, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm. Yeah, whether that's defiant, I don't know, but it's 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 actions, and and I can filter out sort of nonsense I don't want to tune into, but. Um, yeah, so I don't know if it's it's defiance as far as the curiosity goes. I seem to be curious about a lot of things, but it te- then it turns into pretty much laser focus on particular things. And for me, that was caves. So then it sort of borders on obsession, and no one will stop me then once I'm in that mode. And I, yeah, get out the way because I will just follow it like a dog with a bone.
0: Yeah, but but what's interesting is 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 that that and, and we see that with with Mary's example that that she had a had a role model particularly early in, yeah. in her father who said hey I know it's 1810 yeah. and you're a girl but it's okay because come with me and we'll climb up the cliffs and look for the stuff so what you you, you mentioned your mum. yeah as, as a, she she was the role model that that kind of helped you do that stuff
3: yeah she's 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 she was pretty feisty um, and no one would tell her that she couldn't do anything. I mean that yeah almost far, fight you know, much more feisty than me. But um she was also someone who, you know, just got on with it. You know, that was always her thing. You just get on with it and do it and find a way. And she I just watched her do that growing up. Um and, you know, like a lot of people, she worked two or three jobs, she struggled financially. Things were tough at times, but she was always yeah, there's no way she would lie down.
0: Yeah, so, and, and having known you for some years, you can see your mother in you. Yeah, if, okay. if that's <laughs> if that's who she is, who yeah, she was, yeah. you can absolutely see
3: Yeah.
0: The, 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 the just get on with it.
3: Yeah, and she'd always say, you know, there's times you'll be on the floor, but it's it's how soon and how well you get up. You know, it's it's if you stay down there, you know, that's that's not acceptable. You know, yeah. Get up and get on with it.
0: So yeah. speaking of role models, Come to you, Tia, because one of my favourite stories to always listen to is that Liz was a role model to you when you were little. Yeah. And because and, and, one of the things that the, 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 the show talks about is that, that, and people often say you can't be what you can't see. Well, somebody goes first. You, you, you can actually be what you can't see because Mary was, but, but you could see something. So, so how did, how did that, how did that pan out? how did, how did, you went to Narcourt Caves, tell us the story. Yep, so
1: I went down there for the, uh, paleontology week, as I said before, that the museum and the uni used to do, and I went and did all the fossil sorting in the sand pit and went into the lab, and I happened to meet Liz when I was there, and I remember going through the, um, when Fossil Centre in the diorama, and I turned to my mum and I was like, this is really cool, I want to work here, and I want to be a paleontologist with Liz Reed." And my mum was just kinda like, cool, alright, let's let's go do it. And I think meeting you, Liz, it it was very clear to me, like we were talking about, you know, I saw a woman in paleontology, I saw that I could do that. And there was no thought process that went to me, oh no, that's not, that's not something a girl can do. Even though my parents would never have allowed me to think that for a second, they would have beaten it out of me. Um so you know, like it was it was really a a great moment for me to be able to go, okay, look, I can do it. It's basically just down the road in Narrow Court. And there is steps that are very clear. You know, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this to get there. And I somehow managed to get there. There was hiccups along the way, but that's all right. We got there anyway. That's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, so you've, you've touched on... So before I get to that thought, um, and this was after the, 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 the fossil, yes. wasn't it? Yes. So, so there's, there's those two moments... Isn't there? And there are some really interesting again, bringing it back to Mary, there's some really interesting moments in Mary's story, you know, the death of her father. The moment that after the funeral she was walking along and somebody said, Can I buy that fossil? All of a sudden she's going, Oh, this is how we survive. The moment she found the, the, the first complete plesiosaur skeleton and all of the stuff that came after that in terms of people thought that it was uh, uh, a forgery and then it was confirmed to be correct or therefore validating that, yeah, she knows her stuff. Just really interested in, and in, um, we, we've touched on that, that moment for you. Liz, what about you? Is, is there a particular moment or, or what are some moments that, that put the light on for you in terms of this is, this is the path you want to take?
3: It sounds so corny when I say it because I was never particularly interested in paleontology. I wasn't a dinosaur kid. I, the only thing I existed in my world was horses and ancient archaeology. And I actually, when I did my degree, it was a BA in biology and archaeology. But it, at that time, what we were te- learning wasn't old enough for me. I, so I leaned more towards the biology side and I got an opportunity to go on a field camp for paleontology and I thought oh, this is good and I, I, I'm ashamed to even say this because I, when my students say this I go, oh my god but I thought here's a good six units before you know start a semester <laughs> um, and at the time dad was dying of cancer and I'd been caring for two relatives with cancer so it was a really hard time and he said no, look go because it's something you want to do so I did and I, I was hell bent on being a, 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 a horse vet and I walked into Victoria Fossil Cave and it was all over. It was all <laughs> over for me.
0: That moment, that seeing it, all of that. It
3: was literally love at first cave. And again, I say it, but it was just... And I don't even remember what was being said or the tour. It was just being in the cave. It was like I'm home. And I've literally been obsessed with the place ever since.
0: It's fascinating, isn't it? And, mm. and fascinating to know... What all of the things were prior to that in your life experience that made that the thing, that made sense of all of that, isn't it? And and often we we we, we never know. I mean I try and make sense of my world sometimes and there's no you know, I mean I, I I liked writing poems as a kid. I I grew up watching the jungle book and Mary Poppins and I thought, oh, I wanna do that. And then one day I was doing a radio interview with David Bellamy, by accident, um, and he told me to read The Future Eaters by Tim Flannery. And I read it and I've gone, oh my goodness, and Prof Flint was born of that book. Mm. Then paleontology would happen, so, so, so there was no plan in any of that stuff. But, but for me, Future Eaters was a, was a light bulb yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, Alice. So you've mentioned the trowel that you've got, but, but that, that came later, didn't it? Because that's, that that's once, you've, once, once you're there...
2: Well, thinking about this and um, thinking about what Liz and Tia said as well, so I grew up on a farm. Uh, there were only three other kids in my class at school. I went to a tiny, weeny little, tiny country school. I didn't know anybody or see anybody doing any of these things. But I often like to say, well, there's a thing, you can't be what you can't see. I say you can't be what you can see, but you can read about it. And in my case, I guess, a huge influence was seeing Professor Julius Sumner-Miller do his little uh, black and white, um, what was it called? You know, he says, why is it so? And then he says, eat Cadbury's chocolate and stuff like that. That was a huge influence. That made me fall in love with science. Then I started reading the encyclopedias that my father had bought from a travelling sales bloke as they were in those days. And I read through the dinosaur bits of the science volume and, like, this is very cool.
0: So you were the dinosaur kid that became the archaeologist, <laughs> and you were the archaeology kid that became the. P-
2: Gilbert dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I read through the dinosaur bit, thought this was very cool. I kept reading into the archaeology bit and I got stuck in that bit. Mm. And I was very lucky because uh, an old friend of my grandmother's gave me a whole bunch of archaeology books written for kids. And then my mother gave me, in 1976, a little tiny volume called Introduction to Archaeology. And on the front cover was a woman uh, sieving at the excavation. So this is, I still have that book. Uh, so that was kind of like my... And then I went and started excavating little trenches in the paddock where we used to keep the potty lambs. Um, and I found some dog's bones and stuff, not very much. I made my own little sieve. So those moments of reading, and like you, the recognition, like you recognise it, mm. you think, and you recognised it too, this, this is what I want to do. So I think that's what led to me having the trail, ending up getting my own real trail. Nice.
0: Cool, cool. Um, so Friday, when this is going to be published, is International Women's Day, um, and it's often the day on which International Men's Day is Googled the most because there are a whole bunch of men that get very grumpy, going, why don't we have our day? And it's like, yeah, it's November the 19th. Um, clearly you didn't look it up. <laughs> uh, plus, we, we have it most days anyway. Um, what I'm interested to, to know, I mean, what... How do we I'm constantly trying to explore how to have my worldview interrogated um, what 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 do we what do my what, what can what can we say to my people <laughs> to help them better understand the challenges that are still faced because clearly there are still challenges you know if Liz, if you're still getting... Blokes going, oh, look, just move aside, I'll do the compressor thing. It's like, yeah, you've got to have it. You know how to do it. So, so, so how do we... It's, it, there's, there's still elements. While you can go to university, while you can become a member of the London Geological Society since 1904, yay, um, how, how do we speak to people whose? And often it's unconscious bias, isn't it? They don't even realise that they're making choices.
2: It's mostly unconscious, I think. Yeah. And they see stuff happen before their eyes and they don't even realise that this stuff providing obstacles to us, they don't even see it. And for me, that's the big challenge, making them see that a little conversation or an interaction, the one where I'm assumed to be the waiting staff, not another scientist who's coming to talk to you, that that stuff accumulates and builds up. They need to, my advice to people of your type, is to open your eyes and observe tiny interactions and then try and understand how it is that you replicate those interactions which put us always on the back foot, always having to recover and get up to speed rather than starting on the front foot. So I think that minute observation and rectification of your own behaviour is critical.
0: Yep. Liz?
2: That's, um, that's fun. funny
3: said about the waiting staff, my partner, Steve, who's also been a huge... Uh, support for me because he's he treats everyone the same. Um, it's what you can do, what, what you bring to the table. And sometimes we, we play play around and oh, he'll wear the uni shirt and I'll just wear civvies. And even if we swap that, they'll still go to him. If we're going to meet someone, he's the scientist. And he'll say, oh no, no, she's the brains of the operation sort of thing. But we play around with that. But I think it is, yeah, I agree, It is a lot of it's unconscious and it's so ingrained in some people's bringing too, and I think a lot of the, you know, I work with some fabulous colleagues here where they're just really super aware and do consciously make sure that behaviours around them are, are good but I think, you know, the most powerful thing men can do is when they're raising their children and their families to, you know, really encourage that everyone's the same and that kids can do whatever they want to do and that there's no barriers, and they they will then pass that on. But sometimes it's almost, I think, impossible at, at times with some people of a, yep. of some generations. But I think that was ingrained to them too. So I mm-hmm. try to just do the same thing, treat everyone the same, and um, yeah, work with people if, if they're not the
0: most given coming. <laughs> Tia, um, you, So you're younger generation yes. than 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 um, Liz and Alice. Yes so what's your experience of 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 the 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 blokes of your generation
1: fine honestly they they just treat me equally that's yep. that's all there's no you're a girl. Nothing. I'm one of the blokiest girls you'll probably ever meet. Um, yeah. You know, I look like this, but I don't act like it. Um,
0: <laughs> Which is interesting in itself, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> to, 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 to yeah. That, that you're that you define the <laughs> blokiness of of those things.
1: Yeah. But you know, I just I just feel like people need to be aware. Like, imagine a woman or a girl that you're very close to, and how would you want them treated? And it very quickly just goes, oh, that's not very nice, is it? And it doesn't have to be your daughter it just has to be someone that you know that is a woman in any profession and all of a sudden they go oh actually i wouldn't want them to be treated like that and i think that awareness of someone close not just oh there's a woman over there who really cares it's it's trying to bring it back to home that's that's probably going to get them to think a little bit more about it
0: yep all right we don't have much time to go these things always go crazily quickly um one last observation from each of you. If you had an opportunity to say something to Mary Anning and you've got about twenty seconds each, if you had an opportunity to say something to Mary Anning in retrospect, what would you say? don't Who's going first? I Annas. would
2: say I would say Mary, you could not have known back then the influence you would have, mm. and you were so influential that here now, a man like our dear friend Michael for whom you are a goddess of science and I hope in some way you might know this and be happy about it. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, yeah, yes, thank you. Liz?
2: Yeah, I mean I probably, along the same
3: lines, you're a pioneer and you don't know your influence and I'd probably also say give them hell. Oh,
1: Excellent. Yeah. That's tell a, him to stop. That's it. the most sweariest. <laughs>
0: that's the sweariest word we've ever had on the podcast. There you go. And that all, that's right. all right. Tia. Um,
1: yeah, I'd tell her to tell him to go stop it and keep doing what you're doing. You know what you're doing, and that's all that matters.
0: All right. Thank you so much. That's just about all we've got time for. Um, I wish, I wish Mary could have been here to have known the impact that she has had. Um, thank you all for your time.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Oh,
0: It's time to spread some paleo jam.